Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. Merry Christmas, everyone. Here we are, the day before Christmas. You know, in our culture, we have a song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I wonder for us in the faith, for us who claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, do we truly understand that it is the most wonderful time of the year? To realize that it's this time that we celebrate when God looked down upon his creation and his timeline and his humanity, he looked down and said, now is the time for my redemptive plan to come to fulfillment in my son, Jesus Christ. It's a reminder that this actually is the most wonderful time of the year. This morning, what we're going to do together and those watching online is we're going to journey through the Christmas story together. I'm just going to read it. And I'm going to read it from scripture. It's going to be on our screens for you as well. But two writers write about the birth narrative of Jesus. We have it found first in Luke 2, and then we'll turn to Matthew and look at Matthew and what he has to say about the birth narrative. But we're going to begin in Luke chapter 2. Sit back and hear the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star they had seen as its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The Christmas story, according to the word of God. I oftentimes imagine myself in the story as I read scripture. I often try to put myself in some of the character's shoes of how would I respond? What would that actually been like? I believe for almost all of the characters in the Christmas story, they would say it was the most wonderful time of the year. I want to take a quick look today at some of these characters that we just read about that were in the Christmas narrative. And what was their response to this idea of this baby in a manger, this supposedly Messiah that has finally come? What was their response to this little king? What's interesting is we're told with the angels that the angels show up to the shepherds and what are they doing after they announce what has happened? The angels are praising God. That's their response to this baby king. The people. It says the shepherds, once they had that encounter with the angels, and when they went and saw the baby king himself, they went and told the people 
about this baby king. And the people, it says, they're amazed. They're amazed at this baby king. And then Mary, Mary has a very special and unique thing that Mary's doing to the news of her own son, to the birth of her own son. And I think for Mary, it ought to reflect maybe perhaps our response during Christmas, knowing that tomorrow is that day. It says Mary's doing two things. She's treasuring up the things that have happened and meditating on them. I often wonder if this isn't how our posture should be all the time with God. That we wait for God and God does something cool. And we say, hey, that's awesome, God, thanks. And we're just on to the next thing without slowing down. Treasuring up what God just did and meditating and reflecting on him. It's Mary's son, but he is the baby king. And then the shepherds. The shepherds are out there tending to their flocks, doing their own duty at nighttime. More than likely, they are tending the sheep that are actually the temple sheep that get slaughtered for temple sacrifice. And they're out there, and all of a sudden, imagine being them when an angel of the Lord appears, and that obviously has frightened them, because it says they're terrified. But the very first words spoken out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. And then it goes on, the angel proclaims this great news of great joy for all the people that the Messiah, the baby king, has been born. And the shepherds, it says, they left all of that. Not only that, think about this. A heavenly host of angels all of a sudden appear before you. Can you imagine that? Not just one, but a multitude have appeared worshiping this baby king. And your response to the baby king is glorifying and praising God. And then the wise men, who are probably more than likely astrologers studying the stars to see if there's signs from the east, which would be the empire of Parthia. Coming from there, looking at the stars to see the sign and realizing there's something different about this one star that's rising. And what's interesting is they're probably pagan astrologers over there in Parthia. They make their way and they want to present gifts to the king of the Jews. And when they get there, it says their response to the baby king, they fell on their knees and they worshiped him. They fell on their knees and they worshiped him. See, because there's something different about this baby king. And then you have this really interesting character in the Christmas narrative. A guy by the name of Herod. And he has quite the opposite response than these characters do. If you read a little further on, it, it talks about him also being raged at the baby king. 
That's why he wants to go and kill all the baby boy Jews two years and under. He's raged at this idea. See, Herod's response, he's disturbed and raged. And you go, why is that? How come everyone else can have this incredible response to the baby king? Except you, Herod. Why are you disturbed and raged? And what's fascinating about him is outside of Jesus, the true king, he's the only character in the biblical Christmas narrative that has this word before his name, King Herod. See, he's disturbed because he knows he's not the real king. In fact, interesting, Herod's not even a Jew. His mother's from Idumea, his dad's an Edomite, AKA, he's Arab, he's not Jew. (laughs) But yeah, he wants to be king of the Jews. And he gets wind. Hey, where's this true king of the Jews that was just born? See, what's interesting too is How easy it is to elevate ourselves and think we're king and neglect the true king, which his name is Jesus. See, when you meet the true king, Jesus, your allegiance is to him and him alone. And the invitation that's on the Christmas table as you and I read the narrative is this. We have to wrestle with this deeply wrestle with this question especially when you slow down tomorrow and I know for some of us it's hustle and bustle and it's going to grandparents and it's running over here for this opening of gifts or maybe it's not or maybe you're just you're going to be home alone tomorrow wrestle with this question in the midst of all of it who is your king and there's only two answers see a king rules and reigns over one's life We either are like King Herod, where we say self is king, or we can come on this side and say, Jesus is my king. He's the one that directs my life. He's the one I bow down to, that I surrender to. In the Christmas narrative, of all the places, when the Heavenly Father looks down and says, now's my time to send my son, fully human yet fully God I'm going to chose the lowly, uh, lowliest of the lowly places to be born even though he is the king and the true king he is the Messiah he is the Christ he is the savior of your sins I want to show you about my upside down kingdom I'm going to put him born in a manger throne I could have sent him to Rome to become a Caesar and rule that way. I could have sent him straight into Jerusalem to take over Herod's spot to be king of the Jews. But instead, I am choosing something because it's an upside down kingdom that I bring to the table. It is not about you. It's about serving other people. 
And I chose a feeding trough to send the true king, the one that will save you. The invitation is who is your king? Who is your king? Something special about this season. we realize that the true king has come. Who's your king? Is it self? Or is it Jesus? And what I've wrestled with this season is it can't be both. It's either you are dictating your own life and the way you want to live or you have kneeled to King Jesus. You can't have both. And I think sometimes, if I'm honest, our faith, if we really slow down and look, we have one foot here in self because we like a little control. Just a little. Others of you, you like a lot, but some most of it were just a little, a little control. But we got one foot in Jesus as King because we like Him as Savior. And we can't live our life this way. Either you have bowed down to yourself or you've bowed down to King Jesus. Not in perfection. Oh, that's the Spirit's work to work on you to look more like Jesus. But it means I'm sold out to the true King. My life is surrendered and committed fully to the true King. I'm going to invite everyone in this moment. Would you please stand with me? And would you just close your eyes? And bow your head. And I I just want to ask you while we're all standing, is just think about, is Jesus really your king? Or examine your life and what areas do you need Jesus to be king because you're still king there. Maybe for some of us, we've never made Jesus our king. Today's the day. Christmas 2023. He's my king. He's my redemptive story. And if that's you, I want to lead you into an invitation. You can say this prayer quietly in the depths of your own heart. Say something similar. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm tired of being king. You are my king, King Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you came as the Son of God that took on flesh and went to the cross for my sin. Three days later, later, you defeated sin and death and rose again to bring me new life. Today, 
I put my faith and trust into you, King Jesus. Have your way in me. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, come and fill me and overflow with your power and presence in my life. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if that was you this morning, it's the Christmas invitation. I just want to give you a chance to respond if that was you by a hand up and down real quick on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up and down. Praise God. I'm seeing hands. Praise God. Yes. Anyone else? Solidify that thing today, right now. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, for you stepped down from heaven into earth to be like us, yet sinless, but took on flesh as fully God and then went to the cross for us. And in that day, 2,000 years ago, the throne room became the manger, the feeding trough that would redeem all of us in our brokenness and make a way back to our Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for that. Jesus. And it's in your precious name and all God's people together said. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out the radiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.